You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me this episode is Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews as we get his take on the jump the Gators took last season in 2018 and if the Gators will take another jump this 2019 season. Also, a conversation with defensive back commit Travez Johnson as we take a look at his commitment and upcoming visit plans for the fall. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News 4 Jack Sports team. Also catch the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or YouTube. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. August 17th, kickoff party here in Jacksonville at the Red Guild Bistro. Gators Breakdown listener James Carlin giving us the hookup on a great location August 17th, week before Florida and Miami kick the season off. Free admission. We'll have to pay for food and drinks. I'll put an RSVP out on Twitter. But if you don't have Twitter, reach out to me at GatorsBreakdown at gmail.com and let me know if you want to attend. And also, get your Gators Breakdown gear at SquadLocker.com. Head over, click in the top right of the screen, click on Find Your Store, and type Gators Breakdown and all the gear is available right there. Gators Breakdown hats, shirts, and polos, and more at Squad Locker. And I'm happy to be joined by Brett Ciencia from Pick 6 Previews right here on Gators Breakdown. Brett, welcome. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Um, I know you uh, you made it all the way down to SEC Media Days. It's a big deal, and uh, congrats on that, and congrats on building up the, the Gators Breakdown podcast. It's, it's one of my podcasts I tune into across the country, and you guys, uh, you're doing a great job. Thanks much. Uh, those kind words are appreciated, and uh, I'll uh, throw it back at you too. Pick six previews. I think was probably one of my first follows on on Twitter, and and all the because look, I, I kind of built Gators Breakdown on Twitter and in the social media world, and I know you guys are are heavy in the social media world, and especially Twitter as well. Oh yeah, um, I have an appreciation for that too. We we launched this site in 2012, but it was really the, the way we spread it was really through Twitter and through passionate college football fans like yourself. Uh, and your Gator fans and fans across the country. And uh, it really just has been a Twitter movement. I mean, we're, it sounds like you're in the same boat. We're independent guys, uh, not with a major company or any company really at all besides ourselves, and kind of built, you know, great original content and spread it through Twitter. So I have a lot of respect for what you're doing over there. So 
Thank you much. And uh, let our listeners know, just in case they don't know about Pick 6 Previews, uh, like you say, on, on Twitter a lot, uh, share a lot of your stats and trends and numbers uh, that go along uh, you know, with college football on Twitter. But let our listeners know what Pick 6 Previews is about and, and what you guys have going on there. Yeah, thanks. So with Pick 6 Previews, uh, it's a college football preview website. Uh, we launched in 2012, and over those seven years, we've been rated the most accurate BCS and Power 5 predictions in the country. Um, I know every magazine claims that, but for us, the numbers don't lie. It's uh, Stassen.com that grades these publications and newspapers and magazines and websites that predictions every year. And uh, since we've launched over that time frame, we are number one, um, beating out all those that you see on newsstands. And heading into this year, uh, I put together a, a season preview book. Uh, it's available. It's uh, all 65 Power 5 teams, deep write-ups, about 1,500 words, tons of stack graphics, uh, I developed my own advanced stats, stuff like uh, Game Grader, which we'll get into later in the episode, and uh, player development, win conversion. Basically, what inspired me was I have respect for some of these preseason magazines. I really do, but, but I do think that some of them don't go deep enough and don't die, dig in enough to a program. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of get the idea that most players are 6'2", 200, you know what I mean? They, so for other magazines that focus too much on, you know, heights and weights and uh, stats like you can you can Google that stuff. I don't need to know that a running back ran for five and a half yards per carry compared to five point four yards per carry. But so basically, I took a step back and wanted to go digger uh, dig deeper into you know program histories, uh, offensive and defensive coaching schemes, some X's and O's. Um, really, what what he's what he's trying to ball his goal is, uh, and you know ten year recruiting trends, stuff like that. So kind of a different angle on the on the uh, preseason magazine. Uh, idea and uh, I uh, thank you for checking it out too. That means a lot, and I saw your tweet uh, on, on on Twitter about it, and I appreciate those words. Yeah, yeah everybody knows Gators Breakdown was kind of brought about the same way, just, just something different to, to put out there, and you know, got heavy on numbers, got heavy on trends, and uh, that's part of uh, where the breakdown name comes from. So, I absolutely feel uh, feel what you're bringing to the table there. And before we dive into the uh, to the Gators a little bit more, where can our listeners find you? I know you have a podcast out there as well. We mentioned the, the Twitter machine, but the, the website, uh, the magazine, the book you just released, and uh, and, and the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so our Twitter, Dave will be tagging it uh, in his tweets, but it's at Pick6Previews, all one word. I'll spell it out. Uh, same thing for the website. It's Pick6Previews.com. And, uh, and yeah, our, 20, our 2019 season preview book is on sale now. Um, it's been getting some good reviews. I've been invited all over the place on radio and TV so far. It's, it's booming. And, uh, and really as a way to give back to Dave and to you as, as the following, because I can tell that you guys, uh, you know, you've built a good – uh, relationship with you know, with Dave and the show, and it seems very interactive compared to other podcasts and their listeners. So, as an appreciation to you guys out there, I want to uh, extend forward a coupon code. So, if you're interested in buying my book, uh, go out to fixsixpreviews.com and just type in Gator or Gators. Either one works, and uh, I want to give a, a sizable discount and give back to you guys because I can feel the passion from here. And uh, and yeah, and uh, excited to see your feedback on it. Absolutely, guys. It is absolutely worth it. I got mine a couple weeks ago, and absolutely worth it. A deep dive into numbers, uh, college football trends, uh, history, as he said, uh, recent history, 
our blue blood history, all kind of stuff there for our college football fans. So definitely go check out the Pick 6 Previews preview uh, magazine for 2019. As we said, it was just released, and you and you pegged the Gators as the eighth-ranked team uh, coming into the 2019 season. Uh, let's look back a little bit. What impressed you most with, Dan, with what Dan Mullen was able to do in year one and have that carry over into a top-10 preseason ranking for you this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so starting uh, back in the co- uh, coaching carousel a couple seasons ago when you brought in Dan Mullen, I was still pretty high on it. Uh, I know it caught some flack from some other SEC fan bases, but really you're bringing in an experienced SEC head coach. And uh, I know some people will point to his win-loss record in Mississippi State as a negative. I view it as a positive. you got to look at the program context over there. Mississippi State historically is a top 50 area team. They're not, you know, they're not a top 10 program. They're in that 50 range. So for him to, in his final four years at Mississippi State, to bring them top 30 in wins and top 15 in my game grader, he really did an excellent job there, and he's probably their most successful coach since World War II. So you fast-forward that into what he, uh, what he did at Florida, talking about probably the most improved team in the country. In fact, they are number one most improved team from 2017 to 18 in a ton of my metrics, uh, including my game grader, uh, scoring offense, scoring defense, a uh, ton of uh, efficiency stats, yards for play, that kind of stuff. Um, so very impressed with his turnaround in year one. And, uh, and then when you dig into it, it's finally a coach has been able to harness the talent pool that, that, that university of Florida, um, you know, the talent has always been there on paper, but the last couple of coaching staffs have, you know, failed in player development scheme and the whole bit. So I think finally to see Florida harnessing its talent that it has there on, on campus, uh, was intriguing. And I'm a huge believer in the second year boost where, Coming into 2019, uh, his second year, you'll see efficiencies on both sides of the ball. Now that he knows his roster more, the roster is learning his scheme and playbook more, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come in Florida. So we'll fast forward to your to your preview of the Gators in your magazine. At one point, many nationally may disagree, but many Gator fans will definitely back you on. Is you label Felipe Franks? as a strength uh, of Dan Mullen's offense and what he brings to the table. Well, of course we go back to that, to the late game stretch that Felipe Franks was able to, to put some good things together. Why do you see Felipe Franks as more of a strength for this Gator offense and, and not necessarily the turn as, as a lot of other people see? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think that nationally um, there are, yeah, you know, I don't want to call it laziness, but you really need to dig in deep these programs. And, you know, from a mile high view in the Florida, you, you just think of, you picture what happened, under the last staff with Doug Nussmeyer. Um, he attempted to slow down that offensive pace. He cycled through, I think it was five or six QBs in three seasons. You got guys like Will Greer, Trayon Harris, Appleby, Del Rio, uh, Malik Zare even. So, I mean, from, from an outsider's perspective, you look in at Florida and think, oh, the quarterback position's in shambles and they can't lock down that position. So when Felipe Frank started out the 18th season, uh, a little bit of a struggle to start. I think everyone nationally just immediately wrote them off as an offense and, and him as a quarterback and just chalked it up to be like it has been in the past. But when you dig into it, it yes, it was a bizarre moment when he did the whole, uh, you know, the, the shush noise to the crowd there um, at home. That was bizarre. But after that, though, I think he kind of got everything off his chest. He matured. Uh, and uh, his final four games there was four wins, first off, most importantly. But, uh, but really improved in accuracy, 65% completion rate over the last four, eight touchdowns, zero picks. So you really saw an improvement there to end the season, and I think that you're going to see a big development uh, from the end. So that, that progress from the end of 18 into 19, because Dan Mullen's also a pretty proven quarterback developer from what we've seen. So 
Yeah, so while the national media and uh, maybe some other SEC fan bases might knock on Franks, I think there's enough there at the end of the year to, uh, to think that he makes the jump up to maybe number three in the SEC. Um, he's definitely in that pack with uh, Joe Burrow and Kellen Mond uh, for the three, four, and five spots at SEC quarterback. Yeah, it will be interesting to see which three of those guys either you know elevate their game or uh, I expect all three of them to to elevate their game. Actually, is I guess how much <laughs> do all three elevate right. their game and, and and where they and where they go? They all three have tough schedules. They all three play similar defenses. Uh, you know, there with Florida having to play Auburn and LSU out of the West. Uh, there, and Florida gets the the break of not having to play Alabama's defense, but uh, we'll have to deal with Georgia. But you know, A and M has to deal with all those teams. So uh, that that schedule oh, yeah. is a li- is a little brutal. And you know, you brought up a a good point. Uh, you know, Doug Nussmeyer slowing down the offense, and you go back even before that, and Will Muschamp and all the offensive coordinators that he brought to the table, and it was you know try to play in a phone booth. You know, not necessarily. Oh sp- yeah not necessarily spreading defenses out, not spreading your own offense out and, and using the the speed of Florida to your advantage. Uh, same, you know, you mentioned McElwain and Nussmeyer just slowing down the offense. You know, it was just it, it slow dot downtrodden offenses that, you know, Dan Mullen knew what to expect with this Florida fan base and, and what the fan fans expect with, with putting points on the board. Uh, and, and just going back to your point of not necessarily and kind of, you know, not necessarily just for the sake of it, changing uh, what Doug Nussmeyer or Jim McElwain did, but you know, come in, installed his offense. He knew what knew what he wanted to do, and eventually, as you said, Felipe Franks. It kind of, and I always labeled it as that four game stretch. You know, you, we, we all go back to Felipe Franks went from being that Jim McElwain quarterback to a Dan Mullen quarterback. Absolutely, yeah. That's a good point, too. I mean, you look back at the Muschamp offense, like, I'm trying to think of what was his real offensive scheme for his staff, but it basically turned out to be, how can I hurt my defense less? So whether that be just ball control or just melting clock, even in a close game or when he's trailing, it was bizarre. And you see that still at South Carolina. I know they're trying to um, evolutionize the offense there, but it's going to take some time. Um, yeah, so I think finally, finally, like I said at the top, is finally you have a staff and a, a proven staff at that that's able to harness this, this raw talent on paper. Uh, over the last five years, their five-year recruiting average is number 13 nationally. Um, and when you look at just the last three years, that boosts up to the top 10 roster talent. So while prior staffs were squandering that, I think that finally you have a staff that's that's uh, improving on and even uh, exceeding the expectations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And we'll, we'll get into it next about the, the skilled players that he has around him. That I think that's why I – you know, view him even higher in the 2019. Yeah, you mentioned the skilled players, and you mentioned the recruiting rank is there, and what that doesn't factor in is the the, the transfers. You know, Florida got in with, with Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes uh, there yep. at, at that deep receiver unit that Florida has, but you know, you make sure to point out that there are two players that turned that unit from from good to elite in, in Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I when I went through my, um, my unit rankings, uh, yeah, first you want to look at star power at the top, uh, but then you also want to look at depth. Uh, and when it, when it shakes out, I actually had Florida as my number five uh, wide receiver tight end crew uh, in America, and that's only number two in the conference behind Alabama, which, I mean, that's that's like an all-American list of a, a receiver. I think, in fact, they swept the all-SEC at receiver. I think it was uh, all three of them got spots. But, yep. but anyway, uh, in terms of Florida, a lot to like here. Uh, you start with Van Jefferson at the top. He's the leader with, with Josh Hammond coming back. But really two uh, blue-chip guys, Jacob Copeland and Trevon Grimes, 
both top 100 guys in the past are, are now getting into the mix more. Uh, you know, Freddie Swain, a good route runner. But really, like you said, it's these two guys. He's Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. Um, with Tony, I mean, he's your do-it-all guy. Uh, he's your speedster. You get on the ball in a majority of different or a variety of different ways, end around screens, um, even some wildcat. I can I can maybe foresee coming. But really, he's your X factor and do-it-all guy. Every buzzword you could use, I probably just used the five buzzwords right there, but uh, <laughs> they all apply here. And uh, but then really, this is a guy that many aren't talking about nationally. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Six six beast. Um, I kind of have some insider information on him. He's uh, uh, so I'm located in the college football black hole, of Pennsylvania, uh, the East Coast, the Northeast. But um, but he was uh, he, he was a local recruit out of here, and I actually watched him in the PA Final Four uh, in high school football in 2017. He uh, he was playing for Archbishop Wood, and they went up against my alma mater, Unionville, and uh, and the guy was an absolute beast. He, he stood out right away. You could tell he was a Division One recruit, and then we looked into it further, and you could tell that uh, the SEC was all over him. Um, yeah, he's just an absolute monster. I think you're going to see him start to take over in, in, a, in a bigger role here um, as he's progressing in his career at Florida. I think he's a, a huge mismatch across the middle against these defenses. Um, so, yeah, that whole package right there, that's unbelievable firepower for, for Franks to, to play with this year. And a, a second year with Mullen's uh, scheme like we, t- uh, like we touched on. I think it's going to be a great thing down there. Yeah, we got excited in the springtime uh, when we got to see you know the emergence of Kyle Pitts a little bit. He was being used more. Uh, we got to see him as a receiver more. And going back to Dan Mullen's time at Mississippi State, he likes those big body. You know, can can go up, can control uh, with, with control, go up and get the ball. But somebody who can physically manhandle defensive backs, so, you know, that I, he he likes those big bodied wide receivers. So the Gator fans are definitely oh, excited. He's we're definitely excited to see what Kyle Pitts can can bring to the table. You know, bring bring him closer to the line. You can split him out wide. Uh, versatile uh, type of big guy, big body receiver there. Uh, of course, it, we kind of you know, it's not all positive uh, on the uh, on, on the Gator offensive front. Not necessarily to say this you know next position group with the offensive line isn't a positive, but it's more just a a question mark. We we don't know yet. We think that the starting five can be pretty good with the offensive coordinator or offensive line coach John Hevesy and what you know his development history brings to the table. Uh, but uh, how how big of a worry is that offensive line for you? Yeah, well, one last thing I'll pitch real quick is uh, if you guys are getting excited watching him against other SEC caliber players in the spring, imagine how much of a standout he looked to me uh, in rural uh, <laughs> southeast Pennsylvania. My God, um, it reminds me of another because it's rare for uh, guys out of our area to go SEC. So the most recent guy besides him was actually DeAndre Swift out of Philadelphia. Um, and to see him breaking out, and I think the Kyle Pitts will have a similar breakout because they were both four or five star guys out of our region. And uh, it's rare when the SEC comes knocking, and, and, you know, those coaches know better than our guys up here. So that's a pretty big endorsement to get offers from those teams. So I think you're, you're in for a, an absolute playmaker. Um, at, at offensive line, yeah, it's a little bit of a worry. But, um, yeah, so four out of the five offensive linemen starters from last year are gone. Uh, I think that with the recruiting pool that you guys have there, there's a ton of buzz around John, uh, John Hevesy there at offensive line coach. I think that the starting five will be fine. I think that that won't be an issue. My, my issue with it, though, is past that. I think that depth might be a concern. Um, linemen especially is, is a, a, a roster unit that you want depth because you can obviously rotate guys. Uh, injuries happen, it seems like, all the time across offensive line. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you go down in fall camp. It just happens, you know. So I do worry about the, the depth there once you get past that starting line. 
So we'll see. Um, I think that it's going to put a little bit more pressure on, on Franks, but I think that at the same time he's, he's ready for a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the, the only concern of the offense, and that's if injury buck strikes. Brent Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews joining us right here on Gators Breakdown as we move to the other side of the ball. In reading your preview, it looks like you're a fan of, of Todd Grantham, uh, his history the last few years at Louisville and Mississippi State, you know, what he did and what he can do for this Florida defense. Yeah, I'm a huge Todd Grantham fan. I mean, you have to look back at his prior stops. Uh, three years at Louisville, it was, uh, he, he turned around a pretty bad situation and made it into that, uh, that 10 or 11 win season. Um, with Lamar Jackson's Heisen run, it was a strong defense on the other side of the ball, too, uh, for him. Uh, and you also see once he leaves, an absolute collapse of a defense. So uh, it's important what the guy does there, but also the impact that he leaves. Um, one good example I have is Brent Venables at Oklahoma, where before his Clemson run, everyone talks about that, but at Oklahoma, he had that Big 12 defense consistently in the top 25 defensively. And uh, you see that after he leaves, Oklahoma just has absolutely tanked on the on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so his, his departure t- uh, speaks a lot to his actual you know, coaching talent there. So in the same sense with Ty Grantham, you see an absolute collapse at Louisville after he leaves. He heads down to Mississippi State, um, builds up a very solid defense. I think a lot of those guys just got drafted uh, along the defensive line. Um, so, and then, yeah, and then last year, just tons of improvement, like I mentioned at the top. Uh, also, Florida's defense improved in all 13 of my defensive stat metrics, really across the board. Um, passing defense was especially elite, top 20 in every category. So, yeah, I'm very impressed. Um, I think that despite losing the three NFL early guys with uh, Ja'Kai Polite, Boshan Joseph, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, I still do think that there's so much talent there. I, I think that's secondary, too. It's just absolutely loaded. So it's just a matter of where you want to put everybody. I know that's a talking point for fall camp coming up. But you know what? When you take a step back, I, I previewed all 65 programs. Um, that's a good problem to have. Let me just tell you that. Cause when you go from writing about say Wake Forest and then to Florida, Oh my God, the, the talent just abounds down here. <laughs> you know, the, and, and I've said it before on the podcast too, you know, we did, we definitely slammed Jim McElwain and, and the, uh, the recruiting that, you know, it, it wasn't up to Florida standards, uh, there, but, you know, going into this year and, and, you know, looking at your unit rankings and the other preview magazines, unit rankings and stuff, you know, Florida's up there, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball with the talent they bring back. Uh, you know, of course, that's counting transfers as well that Dan Mullen was able to bring in and Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes, as I mentioned earlier, and, and Jonathan Grenard, who's the, the transfer from Louisville, who played there uh, or was recruited there by, by um, Todd Grantham. I mean, uh, you know, as much as we slam McElwain, there's, it looks like there's still enough uh, enough talent uh, to make a run here in, in, in the 2019 season. So would it be a total shock if it was Florida representing the SEC East in Atlanta and not Georgia. No, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, I think that you played Georgia pretty tough through, what, the first half, maybe the first three quarters. It was a competitive game, um, and that was still before we saw kind of the awakening of, uh, of Frank. So I think that, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, I have the number eight, and, uh, and that would be good enough to win most divisions across the country, quite honestly. But uh, in the SEC, that's good for second in the East or fourth overall, you know. So it's tough. Um, but no, I think that I'd be less surprised with Florida in Atlanta than I would be any other team besides Bama coming out of the West, if that makes any sense. Um, so maybe like with Georgia being a 65-35 chance of winning, um, I would say that Alabama's probably a 90 or 95% out of the West. So 
yeah, I, I, th- I think they have a legit chance. And uh, you know, looking at that, and we, of course, a lot of that, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily translate in the SEC. You know, Florida uh, and Georgia there, but the the game week one won't necessarily play into how you know who represents uh, the the East and Atlanta. But it is that big week one matchup that's only about three weeks away now, as college football inches closer in the kickoff versus Miami. Uh, how do you look at that game? I know uh, you have Miami uh, picked to win the Coastal in, in your magazine here. So as you kind of mentioned, though, you know, not all schedules are, are created the same <laughs> there. And you, yeah. you, you were comparing SEC schools, and maybe Florida could win many divisions out there. Well, Miami, you know, pretty much can win, you know, pegged to win the Coastal, even though it's Manny Diaz's his first year. A lot of change going on there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, when we look at this game, just a few weeks away now. now should we expect a, a hard-fought matchup between two rivals here or one where Florida is just too much and kind of controls that game throughout? Yeah, this one I'm really looking forward to for many reasons. One being, you know, finally we got a big week zero game. I mean, you wait so long, you, you watch all the film in the spring games and you rewatch old great games uh, from, t- you know, 10 years ago you're watching classic games. And finally when week zero gets here, they give us like Arizona, Hawaii, or something like that. Which, you know what? I, I'm still excited for. Don't get me wrong, but but not like this, man. You have a return of an old rivalry, an in-state power rivalry here. Um, yeah, so I think that if you asked me this back in November or October, I'd have probably said Florida by two scores, maybe even by you know by three scores, just blowing them out. But uh, I'm, I've grown a lot on Miami since the coaching change. When you break it down, because the one thing they did great over the last couple of years was defense. Was that Manny Diaz? you know, blitz-heavy attacking defense. So with him being promoted from within, well, you know, roundabout through Temple, but you know what I mean, uh, that defense is still there. So that's that's going to be very strong. Um, it was the offense that was holding the back, which is ironic being that it was Mark Richt and the old quarterback guru couldn't get a quarterback to, you know, to throw the ball. So mm-hmm. uh, offense was holding them back. But I, I love the hire they made with Dan Enos coming out of Alabama. Uh, he was going to be the next guy to fill in at offensive coordinator for Saban. Uh, with Mike Loxley departing for his hometown Maryland program. So Enos was next in line for Saban, which is probably the biggest endorsement in college football, right? So um, for Miami to pluck him out of there was a major win. And uh, I think you'll see some sustained quarterback play finally. I mean, they have raw talent there in all three guys. It's just a matter of getting consistent play out of one of them. So I I think that'll click. Um, Yeah, in my preseason book, I have Miami, uh, their defense, their front seven especially is loaded. Uh, Their linebackers are number two in the country. Uh, as a unit. And uh, that, that's a result of a couple guys turning down the NFL and coming back early and uh, Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney. And then uh, up front, they have a guy, John Garvin, who could be a future first or second round pick. And even they, uh, Miami of all programs, quote unquote, they, they would won, they won the transfer portal of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, a new, you know, a new phenomenon that we had to deal with this year with our preseason logic, but I mean, they had so they had such an influx of talent. It's just a matter of uh, if they can all band together. So I'm pretty high on Miami, which is crazy. Like I said back in November, I would have laughed at it. But I think now I look at it as maybe Florida by a score. I think it's going to be extremely physical, um, and I, I think it's going to. Also, I want to throw this in there that I think I'd love to see the Twitter fan bases just go off for the for the whole week leading up to it. I know that that's been pretty bitter. Um, <laughs> People uh, people ask me always like oh what's the what's the most bitter rivalry in college football and a lot of the national pundits just always just say you know, Michigan Ohio State or Oklahoma Texas but uh, outside of BYU Utah which those crazy guys up there they're talking every day of the year about it I think the Florida Big Three really 
it's kind of a, a three-way just, uh, you know, I, I picture the three fan bases and kind of the oct- octagon just beating each other up all season. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a treat as an outsider, uh, to be honest. I love tuning into that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'm just excited for so many different reasons for this big game to start off the season. Yeah, you mentioned that, and it's so weird that you, you, you talk about the big three, and it's it's rare that they're all three good at the same time. Uh, you know, you had you know Miami in the '80s, and FSU was kind of building towards what they were going through in the '90s. You had, and then by the you know by the time you know if Florida and Florida State caught up to Miami, Miami kind of went away a little bit in, in the mid uh, to late '90s before they picked it back up again. Uh, you know, late '90s, early 2000s, and uh, FSU kind of dropped off there before you know Bowden uh, went away. So yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of waiting for you know the, those big three to kind of have one year where they're all only looking at, you know, one, two losses on the season. It, it, it's rarely happened there. Uh, and, you know, it, as you mentioned, it's already ugly on Twitter. The, the fan base, already, fan bases already can't wow. stand each other, but I couldn't imagine where all three would be good at the same time. Yeah, that would be incredible. I mean, even if just one of them's good, you can see the, the passion and the fire on Twitter, uh, which is representative of the whole fan base. I think that, uh, you know, from a national level, I think this is an opportunity for Florida to really uh, to really pounce on it because uh, I'm not a big fan of Willie Taggart and what he's done in, in one and a half years there. I know that his offensive coordinator hire of Bryles could be good. We don't know yet. Last year was an absolute train wreck for Florida State. So I think it's an opportunity for Florida to really pounce on the in-state talent. Uh, Miami, I guess, going through a transition, we'll see how they turn out this year, but it really looks like Florida is the premier program right now. I know that uh, – <laughs> As it goes in college football, that could uh, that could change in the blink of an eye. But as of right now, I, I mean, Florida is in a great spot. Uh, one thing I did research into, and I, I should have pulled this up before the episode, but I look back um, kind of when you were talking about the, those peak years of the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, the percentage of uh, top 10 players out of Florida, like five-star and high four-star guys that were contained by the big three, you know, held in state, was very high. I think it was 90-something percent. Um, but then I look back at the same metric over the last five years, and you're seeing a lot more exodus of players out of the state, um, a lot of programs coming in and, and snatching the top dogs out of Florida, like Bama, Georgia, Clemson, uh, even Ohio State is coming in and getting some guys. So I thought it was just a cool um, – because I'm fascinated by recruiting on so many levels. Uh, but that was just a cool kind of geographic breakdown where uh, – well, not not cool for you guys. I'm just saying I <laughs> see this, uh, this shift in – you know, what used to be that uh, you're a Florida five-star, you're going to one of the big three, you're locked down. Now uh, people and other programs have been able to infiltrate a little bit. So we'll see if, if you guys could build the build the wall or build the fence. What do they call it? Uh, uh, oh, Miami called it the state of Miami. Yeah. You could just uh, really lock down Florida as a state. All three of them would be top ten teams every single year. Yeah, and that, that's what it takes. That's what it's going to take for, for one of those three, and that's what I've, you know, I, I've pounded uh, about recruiting too. You know, Florida's supposed to, as far as, if Florida's going to get back to, you know, competing on the Alabama level and, and you know, lately the Georgia level, uh, you know, of beating them in the East, and you've got to, you know, you got to keep some of that talent uh, in state more so than what has been done recently. And uh, I think it is a big point of emphasis in, in taking the next next step 
uh, under Dan Mullen and, and you know, getting that state of Florida talent. Because, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Ohio State comes down here to Jacksonville and, and picks kids from Trinity Christian. And, and, and Georgia's had their getting their quarterback out of Jacksonville this year. And two Jack- Jacksonville area kids out of Oakleaf are heading to Miami. So, you know, and, and now you go to Lakeland mm-hmm. and Demarcus Bowman's committed to Clemson, who a big running back target for Florida. Uh, maybe some thought would a year ago would be a shoe in uh, to the Gators, but now heading to Clemson. So yeah, you, you're right. Uh, that that has definitely for for the big three, but more specifically for what we're talking about here. You know, Florida's got to keep those in-state guys for sure. Yeah, especially Lakeland. I think that was your that's really your pipeline, right? I saw three yeah. guys put hats on last year on the uh, national signing day from there um, for Florida. So yeah, I mean you got to really start to lock down the state even more. I know that. Uh, I think it was number 13, like I said, number 13, five-year recruiting rank. It's solid, but in, in the SEC, that's only good for top five. Uh, so I think that really a, an emphasis on in-state recruiting heading into 2020, 2021, really see how Dan Mullen can uh, can do. Because I think that Florida has all the firepower in the world, the, the geography, the conference affiliation, and now if you have the staff, the proven staff, you can start stacking 10 or 11 win seasons. There's no reason there shouldn't be a recruiting power in the in the top five every year, kind of like what you're seeing from Bama and Georgia currently. So uh, all the makings are there. On other shows across the country, I go on and I, I try and I, I discuss the program. The one thing you can't change is geography, right? Yeah. You guys have it as good as anyone. So, um, you know, I was just on a, out, out in Nebraska talking about recruiting. And it's like, you know what? You got to go coast to coast. You got to go outside even your 500-mile radius, let alone a five-mile radius down or whatever it is in Florida. So. Um, yeah, so you have the geography, you have the, the history, you have uh, the passionate fan base, obviously, and uh, now with the coaching staff that can finally harness all of that, I'm pretty excited with what, uh, what Florida's building. Right before I let you go, I know you, you and I discussed it a little bit last week on Twitter. Uh, I wish I could pull the trigger, but I'm as high on them, I think, is not, not quite as high as you are, but I am very high. On uh, on the Utah Utes as well, and and you got and you've pegged them for that surprise team uh, to make a run towards the college football playoff. Yeah, you're right. I went all in here. Uh, I see a lot of, I saw a lot of people putting them as a sleeper, quote unquote, or a top ten or top fifteen. But you know, I went all in because I really broke it down as there's four spots for five leagues. Uh, I have Clemson, you know, as pretty much a shoe in there. Uh, there's not much competition out of the ACC. So they're a clear number one. I actually have Georgia coming out of the SEC this year. Um, you look at the, the last two times against Alabama, the uh, national title, they had a 95% win probability. They should have won that game. There's no way around it. Uh, and the same deal with last year in the SEC title game, that was an 85% win probability. So it's not even really a hot take to say that that should have been 2-0 and for Georgia, and we're talking about a national title and maybe even two. Um, so I think that they're right there. Basically what I'm getting at is they're right there. They finally broke through and, and stopped Nick Saban's 10-year streak at number one recruiting. They have the raw power. They have the number one offensive line, the best backs. Uh, Jake Fromm is incredible against top 30 defenses. So, yeah, I went Georgia out of the SEC. Uh, I went Ohio State over Michigan out of the Big Ten, uh, going against the grain there nationally. Everyone has Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the fourth spot, really, this is, this is the money pick, right? It, uh, it came down to Utah, my Pac-12 champ, or my Big 12 champ, Texas, which – that's a topic for another day. I'm going to get roasted on Twitter for that pick, but I, I have the facts to back it. Anyways, I think that Texas will lose at L, or, uh, lose against LSU in the non-conference, and I think that they'll split with Oklahoma, resulting in a two-loss Big 12 champ, leaving that fourth spot for the Pac-12 champ. And when you break it down with Utah, uh, they were a lot better than their record last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they won the South Division despite losing their starting quarterback and workhorse starting running back, Zach Moss. 
Um, the defense is just absolutely incredible. And uh, in my other metrics I use, my, my win conversion stat and my player development stat, Utah consistently is number one or number two in both of those. So this, basically getting at that their staff is incredible uh, with getting them to play above their expectations and recruiting. And lastly, the schedule really sets up nicely. It is, a non, it is an easy non-conference slate. And uh, in the cross division up there, they actually miss Oregon and they miss Stanford. So they can even go and lose at Washington in week, uh, week 10 and win the rematch in the Pac-12 title. And I think a 12-1 and Utah gets that nod over a two-loss champ or a one-loss runner-up elsewhere. So that's a little bit of the logic behind it. I go a lot more in-depth in the book and, uh, and on Twitter. So um, that's, that's, where I, uh, that's where I ended up with Utah there. Yeah, and uh, we've kind of, you know, compared, you know, teams from from around the nation to the SEC a little bit here in this episode. And what I will say, that Utah defensive front, that is an, that is an SEC defensive front for this season. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and by saying it's an SEC line, that's basically an NFL line, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Br- Bradley and I and Lecky Fosu or both, I think, will be high NFL picks there at Utah. Uh, and then they had a guy, Max Depay, a freshman last year, who really came on halfway through the year. His last six games were incredible. So I think that coming back, and then just a, lo- a lot of depth behind those top three guys. They can they can rotate eleven guys there and still not miss a beat. So, um, but so yeah, I'm I'm really high. They're actually rated as my number one defensive line in the country, and uh, and their secondary isn't a slouch either. So I think behind a really stout defense, I mean almost perfect level of defense up there. Great proven track record with the coaches, and then uh, fourth year starters at quarterback. Tyler Huntley's back healthy. Zach Moss could be a two thousand yard back. Uh, and then a stable of receivers that's all back. So there's a lot to like, easy schedule. And uh, and I hate to throw this also in there, this intangible, but uh, how many years can the committee keep out the Pac-12? I mean, if yeah. they're not going to allow in a one-loss Pac-12 champ, that's almost uh, labeling the conference as second-rate and not even a Power 5 anymore. So I think – and you can you can look at what Oklahoma did last year. Uh, they went 12-1 and out of a pretty weak Big 12. They had an easy non-conference slate. And uh, and they they lost to Texas in the regular season, but won that rematch on Championship Saturday. That was enough to boost them into the playoffs. So I think Utah takes a similar route with Oklahoma last year, and which was a down Big Twelve. You had four coaches fired or, or retired. So I think that uh, yeah, I think that the Pac-12 gets a team in if it's a one-loss champ, and I think it'll be Utah. So there we go. That is the cup of coverage you would get from Brett Ciancia at Pick Six Previews. Brett, one more time, where everybody can find you on Twitter and, and the website and the magazine. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, so it's at Pick6Previews. It's all spelled out on Twitter, and it's Pick6Previews.com. And, uh, and like I mentioned at the top, I'd love to offer a, uh, a coupon code to get the Gators this magazine. Just type in Gators at checkout, and, uh, and make sure to give me and Dave a shout on Twitter and, uh, and uh, tell us what you think. So I appreciate you having me on. I, I really uh, – respect what you build over there from the ground up kind of like we have on our side and uh and, and love the passion from your fan base too so uh best of luck this year thanks brett uh pick six previews right there brett ciencia brett uh thank you so much man yeah thanks dave before we move on guys you have got to try ufm underwear don't worry you won't see me modeling in any underwear you don't need that but what you do need is a pair of ufm underwear Underwear for Men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support. Unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing. 
UFM underwear is designed to move with your body so you can easily go from one activity to the next without ever having to think about your underwear. At least until it's time to order some more. The State of Florida company has you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, athletic underwear, work underwear, medical underwear, underwear for men is made for it all. Try your pair now. Head over to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your pair. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Travez Johnson from Barton Trail, cornerback commit for the uh, Florida Gators right now. Joining me here from High School Media Day here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Travis, uh, thanks for joining us here on Gators Breakdown. How you doing? Good, good. All right, been committed to, to Florida for a little while. Let's go back just a little bit. Uh, you camp, had the seven-on-seven seven session there. Uh, what sold you or what sold you and what sold the coaches uh, to, uh, to offer you there on the spot? Uh, they said that they liked my versatility. I mean, I ran a good time at the 42, so – they just say they liked what I brought to the table. They offered me that day. Everything kind of happened kind of quick, but uh, it ended up offering me, and that was that. <laughs> uh, was it a hard decision? Like once the offer came, was it? How long did you have to think about it? A week. I mean, I committed the next weekend, so I was excited. And I was shocked, but I knew once I got it that that was probably somewhere I wanted to be. Uh, you talked about the coaches and, and what they saw. So what was it? Uh, Coach, Coach Torian Gray, uh, he's there, you know, coaching the DBs. Uh, Florida's got the uh, DBU moniker to live up to. Uh, what'd you, what, 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 what was it about Gray that uh, probably helped you make the decision? Uh, he's Coach Gray, he's a cool dude. He's just like a, a friend to you. So, I mean, talking to him, it was just like talking to one of my friends. But, I mean, I love the coaching staff there. I mean, I'm comfortable there. Every, like, it's – Obviously, where I want to be. Well, what is it about Florida? You know, but just besides, uh, they got the football program, of course. Too was it? Was there more to it than just football? Definitely. I mean, that's getting the education from Florida. That's another plus. So, it was mixing football and academics. Was I don't think I could have got any better than that. So you'd probably be looking at that nickel star role that that Florida has in that defense. Chauncey Gardner Johnson played that role last year. Do you see yourself just kind of in a way freelancing out there and, and just trying to make some plays? Mm-hmm. I'm ready to get on the field any way I can. So wherever they want me to play, I'll play. Yeah. You mentioned you were a versatile type of player. Do you feel comfortable moving around if you have to move around? There's no problem at all. I mean, like I said, if I, any way I can get on the field, wherever they want to put me, they can put me there. Uh, so you just visited this past uh, weekend as well, Friday Night Lights camp, a lot of recruits, a lot of commits uh, for Florida on campus. Uh, just talk about the camaraderie and the connection that you guys have. It was great. I mean, we all we were to, around each other the majority of the time. But it was great. Coach Mullen came in, took pictures with us. It was just a good energy, everything, everything. This whole weekend was good. You just mentioned Coach Mullen, uh, of course, turned the program around in year one. Uh, there Was there a lot, a lot of uh, – you know, looking at what he did in year one that went into your decision to commit to Florida? Yeah, I uh, not really. It was just kind of the opportunity, and Coach Mullen actually cares about us as his, like, who he's recruiting. So it wasn't – I didn't technically look at last season. I just kind of looked at the future and what Coach Mullen brought to the table. And he's a great coach. The whole coach staff is great coaches. So I just I loved it everything about it I loved it. 
has it been around uh has it been around Jacksonville since you've committed to the Gators of course a Gator heavy town Florida looks to make inroads uh, and get better in, in recruiting in the, in the city of Jacksonville and surrounding areas uh, just talk about how you've been treated around the the city school and, and all that after committing um nothing really changes a bunch a lot more congratulations like people you don't even know congratulating you but other than that it's just like I'm it's the same <laughs> uh, what about visits uh, coming up uh, this fall is it Florida's going to be your only visit how many times are you looking to, to maybe go up on campus hopefully every Saturday I will try to go to a game but I don't think I'd be visiting anywhere else other than that but no, I'm just trying to make it to a few games probably take my official in the fall but other than that not really much going on there alright that'll do it for uh, Travis Johnson here at uh, High School Media Day and that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Thanks to Brett Ciantia and Travez Johnson for joining us here on this episode. Ramping up the coverage with football season. Gators in, a, in camp for a week. All the other teams kicking off camp uh, just a few days ago. Gators Breakdown will be going to three episodes a week. So look out for another episode tomorrow where Will Miles and I will take a look at the Gators schedule. What the Gators have to prove. We'll take a look at some fall camp notes. And then um, also we'll be taking a look at some opponent previews uh, coming up as well as we count down the days to Florida and Miami kickoff. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.